Well, I got a picture for you. This is uh, 1980, and that is me right in the middle. No, it's not. That's a lie. Um, but um, one of the things that I did enjoy doing in, when I was about 10 years old, maybe you had the same experience, is we would ride our bikes into town. That's how it worked for us. There to South End Playground, where there were swing sets and a swimming pool and a pavilion. But there in the middle was that great toy that somebody invented that, that should be like Nobel Peace Prize winner or something, and that is the teeter-totter. Remember that thing? Oh, yeah. Nothing better than a seesaw, teeter-totter, whatever the right word is for it. I don't know. But we all did the same thing. Am I right? You with all of your friends... You get on the teeter-totter, okay, you try to see, can you get the thing to balance, okay, you know, three people on this side, you slide a little bit forward, and you were lighter, come back to the back, and you were, you were heavier, and try to get that thing to balance, right? Remember doing, who remembers doing that? Some of us? Okay. And of course, there was always one jerk that liked to do what? Jump off the back, and it goes slamming down. Oh, that was just great. Just great. The teeter-totter, man. Yeah, that was me too. Yeah, yeah that was me. That was me. Love that thing. I think they've been outlawed in like 49 states now. You can only ride that thing in Alaska or something crazy like that now. But a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I want to I start our time together in God's Word and, and really consider a, a, an issue with life. And that is that walking with Christ and, and living out our relationship with Him in life involves a lot of tension in life, where we're trying to live in the moment and live balance. I want to start our time really emphasizing living within the tension that there is. So let me, let me explain to you what I mean. Let me just say, first of all, that we struggle with balance as people. We do. See, I want to call you to a balance today. And we struggle with balance. We struggle with something that the Bible calls temperance. We struggle to keep things in balance. Let me just give you an example, okay? How many of us, you know, walk into our bedroom there at the full-length mirror and we say, I need to go on a diet. And so what do you do? You don't eat for like three days, right? You know, just cabbage, only cabbage. And then that doesn't work, so then what do you do? Well, you eat like three bags of Snickers, right? And we go back and forth and back and forth. You know, it's not enough that we want to buy something. We go, you know, $20,000 into credit card debt, It's not enough that we're going to, you know, exercise. We have to get up every single morning and do it that way. It's not enough that we're going to have an ample house for us to live and we've got to buy a mansion, right? We struggle with balance. Struggle with it. And, And there are places in our relationship with God that balance is very, very important. And in reality... We need to live in the tension of finding that balance. Let me give you some theological issues where this plays in. Just, I don't want you to see how, how much this comes into play. Okay, Put my list of theological issues up here that require balance. Require balance. Let me explain what I mean. I'll just take a couple of them. Take the inspiration of Scripture. Now, we know that God's Spirit inspired His Word. And so every single word is inspired of the Lord, right? But at the same time, it was written by man. Balance there. Jesus, the incarnation of Christ, he is 100% God. 
and 100% man. Balance. Balance we must find. Now, on these issues, the sovereignty of God, here's what this one is, that that God elects people to be saved and and he gives man free will. Now, the left-hand side, those are sort of all very, very theological, but the right-hand side began to get a little more practical. Okay? That we need to find balance. For instance, the presence of, of evil in the world. That our world has evil in it. We, we struggle through that. We try to understand, how can a good God, who, who has control of all things, who is all-powerful, how can that be true and there be evil in the world? And we, we have to find balance. If we don't, if we don't have balance, then we slip over this way where evil rules, and, and now where is God? And we abandon God. Or if we drift over this way, we aren't concerned about the evil and the, the struggle that people have. But the one that God's word is going to get to today is is very important. And it's the last one on my list here. And it is the sanctification of the believer. Go in your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to jump into water here that is a little bit difficult, is a little bit of a struggle... And I want us to understand the balance that's required in our sanctification. Now, I hope you understand what that means in just a minute. But I'm in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read at verse 12. Philippians 2, verse number 12. Towards the back of your Bible. 1774 in my Bible, so it's back there a ways. If you haven't been with us recently, we, we walk through books of the Bible, verse by verse, thought by thought, paragraph by paragraph, and we're now to Philippians chapter 2. And you're here today as God has superintended our lives. Philippians 2, verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I want to read the rest of it. I don't know if I'm going to get there this morning, but I want to read down through verse 18. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now the main thing I want to shine our attention to is in verses 12 and 13. And I want to look here at the balance that's called for in our sanctification. Let me give you a definition of sanctification. It's a word that I I keep using, okay? It, It literally means to make holy. It literally means to make a saint. It literally means to be set apart for a special purpose. That's what the word sanctify and sanctification mean. What it means is when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior... Whenever that was, wherever that was, 
Something miraculous happened at that time. The greatest miracle that will ever occur in your life, when you came to know Jesus, you put your trust in Christ, God's Spirit came and indwelled you, a supernatural act of God where God came and lived in you. And will never leave you. For as long as you exist, which is into eternity, God's presence will never leave you if you're in Christ today. And with that presence of God in your life, when the Spirit of God came and lived in you, God sanctified you. He said, you are something special now. You weren't before. You were just a regular old creature before. You were just a regular old person. There was nothing special about you. Now, maybe you were fast, or maybe you were smart, or or maybe you could do that, or maybe you could do this. But in reality, in eternity, you were nothing special. But God came in and made you special for Him. Supernatural act. That is us being sanctified. Okay? I like this definition. Um, put it up on the screen for me. It's to be like Jesus, who is distinct from all else. When you came to know Christ, this is what God did and is doing and will complete in you. He is making you something special like Jesus, like Christ. This is what God is doing in our lives. Now, there's some of you know this, and I'm just trying to sort of begin us with a foundation of what this word means. Sanctification is spoken of in three ways in the Bible, okay? There is positional sanctification. These are throughout the New Testament, okay? All three of these, these truths that I'll explain to you in just a second. They're all through your New Testament. But I gave you three references here. You can look them up and, and check them out yourself. Your positional sanctification. And what this means is when you came to know Christ, God made you his. It was was a positional thing. God said, you are mine, and you are separate from everything else. Isn't Isn't that awesome? See, we are precious, positionally. I can't earn this. I can't improve upon it. I can't shine it up. It's done. That's my positional sanctification. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, Hebrews 10.10. Okay, then we have, I'm going to jump down to my ultimate sanctification. My ultimate sanctification. Here's what this is. One day you're going to die or be raptured to be with the Lord. You're going to depart this earth, okay? And then you will be in the presence of God to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And God one day will resurrect your body and reunite your body with your spirit. And in that moment, listen, the penalty of sin, gone. The power of sin, gone. The presence of sin, gone. When you are with Christ one day, you will that, at that moment, from then into eternity, experience ultimate sanctification. And so, listen, the battle you have with whatever you have, if it's a sin you struggle with, if it's it's an emotional challenge that you have, you have an ongoing struggle as as you live your life, I want you to know, 
when you're with Christ, it will be gone. You look forward to that? You look forward to that? One day, it'll be gone. So when you come to Christ, you're positionally sanctified. Jesus says, he or she is mine, set apart. Someday in the future, okay, it could be a day, it could be 70 years from now, I don't know, ultimate sanctification will occur. And the presence and power and penalty of sin will be gone. But between when I got saved and when I'm with Christ, I'm living my life. And this time here, we call progressive sanctification. This is the battle with sin that you and I experience every day. The progressive sanctification is the nitty-gritty of life. I'm Christ. I am His. I am His. And one day I'll be with Him. But until then, I live and breathe and have my being. And I'm trying to honor Christ with my life. Folks, that's called progressive sanctification. And people have one of two ways, typically, at looking at this. Now go to Philippians 2, and and I'll show you those one of two ways, and hopefully we will understand the balance of them. Look at verse 12 and 13 with me again. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There's two ways, two extreme ways, that people look at sanctification. You can see them in those two verses. Two ways, two extreme ways, teeter-totter, remember that? Two extreme ways that people look at your sanctification. And my argument with you today, or for you today, is don't go to either extreme, but find balance. Find balance. Let's see the two extremes. The first one I'm going to call, just let go. Just let go and let God. Okay? Just let go. Okay, this is the idea that, you know what, Jesus is in me, and if he wants to take this thing away, well, he will. Okay, if he wants to make this right in me, well, then he will. I'll just sit down here and just relax and let Jesus deal with whatever he wants to deal with. Okay, now this this view, believe me, there are people who have this view of the relationship with Christ, a very passive a very passive view of, of our relation with the Lord. And, and I, I don't play any role in this. I just lay back, go to sleep practically, take a very passive role. I'm very quiet in my sanctification. It's actually called, you probably never heard this word, because we don't use it in our circles, it's called quietism. That's what it's actually called. And I just sit here passive and let the Lord work, and, and, and I don't do anything. Now, on the other side of the teeter-totter, okay, over here we've got another view of our sanctification. That one over there, that's the, that's the let go and let God. This one over here is I keep trying. I keep trying. 
I work harder. I work smarter. I work longer. And somehow, some way, with all of my strength, I'll deal with this thing, with this sin, with my life, I'll deal with it. I gotta work harder, gotta work longer, gotta work stronger. If I can, if I can just do that, if I can just muster up enough strength, if I can just get enough spiritual discipline, if I can just have enough self-control, if I can just memorize enough verses, I can go enough church, if I can help enough old ladies across the street, if I can do all these things, then finally, I'll reach sanctification. Now, which is it? Which is it? Do I just lay here and quietly do nothing? Passively do nothing? Or do I come over here and work with all my might to allow the, the Spirit of God to sort of help me improve myself? You understand the dilemma? Okay. Well, first of all, do you see that it is there in verse 12 and 13? All right? Do you see it? What I want you to see here is, is that, and here's, here's my first point. God works in, we work out. God works in, we work out. Let's, let's talk about this, okay? First of all, notice it says that, that Paul here is writing to believers, therefore my beloved, so he's talking about believers, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only my presence, but much more my absence, work out your own salvation. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say work for It doesn't say work towards. It doesn't say work up. This is not a verse saying that we have to work for our salvation. Paul is very clear in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that it is by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, lest we boast. So it's it's not something that you can never work your way to God. We can't work our way to salvation. We can't work our way to sanctification. We cannot do that. That's not what it's saying here. But it does say to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The reality is the New Testament is filled. Now listen to this. The New Testament is filled with strong words of how you and I are to endeavor to live for Christ. Strong words. I gave you a list of ten references. I'm not going to turn to those. I'm not, don't worry. But you will. You can this week. There's ten passages of Scripture there under working out that God calls for us to endeavor to live for Him. Listen to what Paul primarily says, okay? The author of Philippians. He said that we are to be hard-working, like a boxer, fighting, using words like soldiering and practicing and running and pursuing and holding on to the end. We are called to endeavor to live for Christ in your life. You are called to work out this way. It says here with fear and trembling. Now what is that? What is that? Fear is the word phobia. Okay, that's the Greek word phobia. You all know that word. Okay, phobia. Trembling is the word trauma. So Paul says here, work out your own salvation with an emotional response. With, with, a, with a phobia of fear and a shaking trauma, I am working out my own salvation. What is it that I fear? 
What is it that I'm fearing? It doesn't say to fear God here. I'm working out my salvation in fear and trembling. You know what I fear? Here's what I fear. Now listen to this. I know this to be true, and so do you. You have seen this. I know personally, as a man, I know the damage of sin. I know the real nature of temptation. I know this truth that I've said standing here many a time. The best Christian you can think of is capable of the worst sin you can ever imagine. There are none of us, there are none of us that don't have the reality in our life that we could wake up today and make a horrible decision that will wreck our lives, wreck the lives of those who follow us, and greatly damage the testimony of Christ. Because of the the damage of sin and the reality of temptation, I'm telling you, we are called here to fear and tremble. One of the things that causes me great fear And I'm asking you to pray for me and the other believers that are here. As I know now, I've stood up here and preached 350-some sermons. I know that. And I recognize that in my own life, the reality is if, if we choose to sin, if we choose to go against Christ... There are behind us a wake of people. And in their minds, our lives do reflect the testimony of Christ. Believers, you need to know, the world is watching. And that is the Lord's intention. You are to be, we will see in this passage, a shining light. So yes... I fear and I tremble because I find this is not true. I do not find that as I mature in Christ, I do not find that sin has less of a call to me. I do not find that to be true. And if you say that it does, I'd like to talk to you about it. Because you've either got something figured out I don't know yet, or there's something yet you haven't figured out. But we probably ought to talk. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling and uses strong words of how we're to live our relationship with Christ. Listen to some of them. I want want you to read, I want you to know this is from the Bible. This isn't from Lowell. I'll give you a couple references and just read a phrase. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. You know that is the Great Commission. Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I've commanded. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul writes, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body and keep it under control. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, Paul writes, On the contrary, I have worked harder than any of them. He tells his disciple Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, watch yourself, persist in this, so that you may save both yourself and your hearers. 
He says in 1 Timothy 6, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. There is a call here for us as believers to work out our salvation. And I'm calling you now from God's Word, yes, to get up in the morning and yes, go to God's Word and yes, work at it. And yes, when temptation comes your way, work at not responding to it. When somebody comes across your path and offers themselves to you, yes, you work to say no. When the screen comes up on your computer and has something for you to look at, I'm calling you men to work at no, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to do this. When you've got a juicy story that you can tell on somebody else and you're there and the environment fits and you can gossip, I want you to work at, no, I'm not going to gossip and tear down another. Work at this. Okay, that's, I'm standing on this side of the teeter-totter right now. Okay? And that side's sticking way up in the air. See it over there? Let's go over there a little bit. Back to the passage. Verse 13. Now Paul says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now I believe that Paul is, we have to connect this to the fuller context that Paul has given us. Go back to chapter 1, verse 27. Remember this was a very important phrase for us. One twenty-seven. He said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And we talked about that at length. And we said what that literally means is be a good citizen of heaven. So as we are citizens of heaven, as God has made us new creatures, verse 13 of chapter 2 is telling us this. God's spirit is in you. God is in you. And the thing that strikes me about this, it says, for it is God who works in you. In you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When the Spirit of God came in you, I'm going to stand right here now, okay? When the Spirit of God came in you, all that you needed, all that you needed to live for Christ, all that you need to to please the Lord with your life, everything that is needed for you to, to live a godly life in Christ Jesus has been deposited. He has deposited that in you. And God now does this great work in you through His Spirit. It is God's will. And what He does here, He does two things. Both to will and to work. So what that means is, when God comes inside of you, He supernaturally now places in you a desire now for God. That's the will. See, you didn't have that before you were in Jesus. Before you were in Christ, you didn't have a will to honor God. That is only God working in us. That's a miracle that God's Spirit is in you, and so you want to honor Him with your life. That's the will. But He also has placed the work in you. And so when there is the evidence of God's Spirit in me, that is God working. Let me show you some verses on this. Okay? Listen to these now. And I, I gave you a whole list of these. I won't hit them all. Listen to John 15. Jesus says, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. 
1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 says, And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us the righteousness and sanctification of God. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. Okay, now listen to this verse. This is, this is really interesting. 1 Corinthians 12, you may know that area in your Bible. It's talking about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verse number 6, he says there's a variety of gifts. There's a, there's a variety of activities. There's a, there's a variety of ways that God works in us. Listen to this phrase. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. The same God who empowers them all. So here's the dilemma. Here's the, here's the teeter-totter. Okay? Here it is. Over here... It is God's Spirit is in us. We abide in Him and and He works in us through His Spirit. And over here is Paul saying, I discipline my body and I make it a slave for righteousness. I pursue God. I'm not like a boxer just swinging wildly in the air. How do we balance these? How do we balance these? Why don't I help you with it? And I think... I think the word in, in verse number 12 will shine some great light on it. Okay? Look with me at, at verse number 12. Let's read it one more time. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, listen. Listen, this is very important. West Virginia, known as a... Coal mining state, right? All right. We've got a mining word here in verse number 12. A mining word. Let me share it with you. See the word work out? Let me paint you a word picture of what that is. Okay? This word work out is a special word. And, and what it meant was this. It means you put on one of those helmets that's got a light here on the front. And you climb down in a hole in the ground, like maybe some of you have done, but probably not many of us, because it's a, practically a thing of the past. And go down into the ground with pick and shovel and work away to do what? Let me tell you, are you mining down there for rocks? Well, I guess it depends on what kind of rock you're looking for, right? Are you just looking for dirt? Are you just looking for stones? No. You're down in that mine, working hard after a substance, Right? The gold miners looking for gold. The coal miners looking for coal. The diamond miners looking for diamonds. But the reality is, the worker is down in the hole, working, 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 yes, to find what has been deposited there. Did you catch that? Working hard to find what has been deposited there. Listen, that is what sanctification in Christ is. We are called to live for Christ. And it is a sacrifice, and it is a challenge, and it requires discipline. But if all I'm doing over here is trying to improve myself, if I'm not searching for what has been deposited there, this is an empty activity. You see, we're called here to work hard, yes, for what God has deposited in us in His Spirit. It's a balance that we're looking for. It's a balance. 
So it's not the quietism that says, I'll do nothing, I'll just lay here passive and wait for the Spirit of God to work. Neither is it the person that says, I will do all things through my effort, because Jesus is clear, we can do nothing without Him. It is in reality a balance of the two. It is a balance of the two that God's Spirit is calling us to. And it almost depends upon your personality which one you need at different times. Some of us are are overachievers, quite honestly, and we think we can approach God the same way we approached math and and grammar and reading, and we can just work harder, and then we'll achieve it. No, you won't. You won't. Some of us, this is more our personality. And we, we think we can approach God in the same way that we approach maybe some areas in our life. And, you know, I just like to just sit back and just watch TV and just, you know, that's what I like to do. You know, and I'm, I'm just going to be passive here. And what God is calling us to is a balance, a healthy balance of both. 